everybody. Good morning, everybody. Let's stand and sing our first song. Thanks to the Lord, our God and King, whose love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things, his love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn, his love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong. To the setting sun, his love endures forever. By the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise forever. Faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us forever. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us forever. Forever. Sit down. Well, good morning. If you don't know who I am, my name's Ray, and uh, I'll be leading the uh, first part of the service. And then our uh, moderator, the Reverend Danny Pritchard, I had to put that in, sorry. I don't know. He sort of slipped in, you know, as I was writing it. <laughs> Uh, here we're bringing God's word to us. And uh, I had trouble finding it. If you're not used to the Old Testament, and uh, somebody said it's in Habakkuk, you know, a long time ago it used to be next to Hebrews, have a cup of tea, because he will brew it. But that's how I learnt it. But there we go. It's nowhere near Hebrews, by the way. But there you go. It's about the Hebrew people. It's about the nearest I can get to that. So that's ruined an old joke from many, 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 many years ago. So there we go. So is there anybody here for the first time? 
Yes, he said, was there somebody for the first time? It's Bill. He thinks he's here for the first time. He's got to that age where he can't remember how many times he's been. And you let yourself in for that as well, didn't you? So there we go. Well, in a minute we will take up the offering. Um, But just uh, next weekend, um, after the service, we have a members meeting. And it's an important meeting. And if you're a member of the church, please try and uh, be there it's it's important to know what is happening in church and it's important to you to be here to uh, hear the things that are going on so try and be there um, some of you will know that um, uh, Liz Reed has gone um, into hospital she's in St George's Hospital in London she's had a major operation on her jaw um, she's only waited two and a half years for this but the whole process from start to finish has been five years. So uh, although it crept up on us very quickly, she's in. And the operation, the surgeon is pleased with the way it went. But Liz can't talk for a week. (laughs) So we won't know, will we, if it has gone well for a couple of weeks. So if you're going to make contact with her, just remember that she's not allowed to talk. Try not to make her laugh either. So don't send her jokes like I do every day on a text message. But bless her, and we'll be praying for her later on. So that's good. Now as part of our uh, worship, uh, the stewards will take up the offering and feel free to uh, just say hi to the people around you, okay? Stewards, if you can... Okay, let's just give thanks for the offering. Father God, please accept these gifts that we offer. We know that everything we have comes from you. Please take this offering and bless it to us. Pray, Lord, you will use this money to the fervence of your kingdom here. We pray, Lord, that you will use it in abundance, that you will use it. Help us to be wise stewards of it. Help us to seek your wisdom in how we use it. We ask this in thy name. Amen. So we're going to uh, just spend the time Um, in what I call a call to worship. So let's just bow our heads. And uh, so as we enter prayer now, we pause to be still. To draw close to you. For you have promised, if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. And Father God, we want to feel your presence here this morning. We want to feel your Holy Spirit. Feel your Holy Spirit come and fill us anew. Fill us to overflowing, Lord. Lord, we choose to rejoice in your glory today. Joining with the ancient praise of all God's people 
in the words of Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. Let's stand and sing, all heaven declares the glory of the risen Lord.
you even as the father has loved me remain in my love when you obey my commands you remain in my love just as I obeyed my father my father's commandments and remain in his love I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy yes your joy will overflow this is my commandment love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's carry on and sing. I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever over the mountains and the sea your river runs with love for me and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth and I will daily lift my hands. For I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. 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 And though I feel like dancing, it's foolishness I know. But when the world in the light yeah, we will dance with joy like we're dancing now I could see 
Praise you, Father God, that your great love sent your Son to that cross, that you died for each one of us, that we may sing of that love forever. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you.
Death could not hold you. He felt all before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring. Praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal now and forever. God, your Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God reigns. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Christ my King, what a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Stand and let those words wash over you. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name. The name of Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Amen. Please sit down.
Okay, we're going to come together now in a time of prayer. Um, So let's just pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and your word tells us to pray for our leaders. So we lift up the Prime Minister and all his cabinet this morning. Lord, as as we look at them and uh, we think of your scriptures, so often we're reminded, Lord, that when people turn away from you and go their own way, when kings and princes have done their own thing, they head for disaster. And Father God, we see a nation at the moment in sixes and sevens. And we see the price of everything going up. And Lord, we need to take stock of where we are and to trust in you. So we pray for our leaders of this nation. We pray, Lord, that you will raise up Christian members of parliament. You will raise them up to take key positions in the government. We pray, Lord, that your word will be where they turn to in everything they consider. We pray, Lord, that you will be moved mightily amongst our leaders. Lord, we pray for a revival in this land. We pray for revival amongst those who govern us. And we pray, Lord, that as they rewrite laws that don't include the Christian faith, we pray, Lord, that you will move mightily to change those things. We think of us here, Lord, and we think of those who are struggling financially in our congregation, those who will worry about where the next bill comes how they will pay it. But Lord, we remember that you are Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. And we look to you, Lord, to help us. May we trust in everything, Lord. Our prayer is that we will put you first in everything. Father God, we lift up those who are unwell. Lord, we praise you this morning, Lord, for answered prayer. And we pray, Lord, for Liz's operation. And we thank you that that surgeon who performed it, thank you for his skills, and thank you, Lord, that you have moved his hands. And he has said that it has gone as planned. So we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, for Liz as she recovers. We pray, Lord, that she will be pain-free. And then, Lord, we do thank you that Dawn is a home. And we thank you for the answered prayers there. Be with her, Lord. We pray, Lord, you will keep working your purposes out 
in that lady's life. And we pray that those antibiotics will get rid of all those problems. Lord, we thank you that Heather's here this morning. And we thank you, Lord, um, for the doctors that are dealing with her. We pray, Lord, that those pains in her eyes will go away. We pray, Lord, that you will draw close to her during this time. Take the anxieties away, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that Gilly's here today and we thank you that he's able to come out. Bless him, Lord, today as he's with us. And then we noticed Dennis had to go home today in pain. We pray for him, Lord, and we pray for the pains across his shoulders will go. And we think of Bill with the same problems, Lord. We pray you will heal these men, Lord. We pray that your loving arms will enwrap them and as you enfold around them, Lord, your healing will happen. Pray, Lord, for that to happen. And Lord, I'm going to leave a little quiet for anybody else that you have, that lays on our hearts, and you can pray for them now. <coughs> Father God, we thank you that Danny is here with us this morning. We thank you that he is well enough to bring your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to heal him. Lord, as Danny brings his word to us, we pray that you will open the eyes of our hearts, that we may see wonderful things from your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we as we hear Danny speak, we pray, Lord, that you will move us, that you will help us to go from this place knowing that we have lived, we have met with the one and only living God. And we pray, Lord, that that will carry us through this week. So we thank you, Lord. Bless Danny as he brings what you've laid on his heart for us. We ask all of these things in thy name. Amen. So our reading is Habakkuk 3. I haven't read this, I only got given it this morning, so it's got some funny words in it, but... Oh, just laugh, it helps, you know. <laughs> right. Somebody said if you say them confidently, nobody will know you got it wrong. So here we go. So starting from verse 1 of Habakkuk 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet of Shiganoth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our days, in our time. Make them known. In wrath. Remember mercy. God came from Timon, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. 
His splendour was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you raise against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you freshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leaders of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as low about to devour the wretched who were in the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard, and my heart pounded. <coughs> Excuse me. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Lo, the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Lo, the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Lo, there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music. Oh, we're going on now. We don't need to. There we go. May God bless us as uh, Danny brings that word to us. Amen. It's all yours. Thank you, Raymond. Thank you, Ray. Good morning, everyone. <coughs> How are we all? Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> A little bit hesitant. <coughs> How, How are we all? <laughs> it's good to be with you. Great to be back. Um, and apologies for my absence a few weeks ago. Um, but we were laid aside with COVID and it's now afflicting others on my team. So do pray for the chaplaincy team at the hospital. We kind of throw ourselves into the front line a bit and another one of my team has gone down with COVID now. So we really appreciate your, your prayers. Um, where are you, Ray? I really wanted you to read that just for the phrase that said, Ray's flashed from his hand. Um, <laughs> how many of you noticed that? It was good to hear you read that bit. Um, but 
It is an unusual passage, isn't it? And uh, I want to speak about the whole of uh, the prophecy of Habakkuk. You may find it helpful if you have a Bible in your hand or your phone. Don't play Space Invaders or anything, but look up your, your Bible on your phone. You might find it useful to be able to follow, um, follow through. It used to be the way that we all sat with a Bible in hand, didn't it? It'd be good days to have again. <laughs> it, very, very interesting. Ray said he hadn't... Um, read the passage. He didn't know what I was speaking about this morning. Um, and yet, as, uh, as I speak, you may see that the same Holy Spirit has been guiding our thoughts. Um, the song we were singing just a few moments ago about the name of Jesus and the, the glory of God, the might and the, the majesty of our Savior, and uh, some of the thoughts that are coming here, some of the ways that Ray prayed just now, really tuned in. It just feels as though the same Holy Spirit has been guiding our thoughts. Who would have thought? <laughs> That's encouraging to know, isn't it? Now, some years ago, this will age me a bit, I was listening to Roger Forster speak. I think it was probably at Spring Harvest. How many of you know Roger Forster's name? He used to lead the church Ichthus in London. And Roger was sharing an anecdote about a lady in his church who prayed something like this. And I'm not going to get it exactly right, but she said something like this. Lord... If you've been reading the papers this morning, you'll know about all the terrible things that have been going on. He, he found it so amusing that the Lord would have to pick up the paper to know what was going on in the world. But this lady came, in all seriousness, burdened with concerns, burdened with anxiety and struggle with all that was going on in the world and, and wanted to just remind the Lord of what was happening to tell the Lord what was going on and, and struggling to understand why God perhaps wasn't intervening in the way she would have liked. I wonder how you pray when you pray, if you pray. I wonder how you approach God in prayer because I get the feeling that a lot of our prayer activity is a bit of a one-way street as we recite our concerns to the Lord, as we list the things that bother us. So I love this little prophecy of Habakkuk which suggests that there may be a different way to engage with God. Ray read the last chapter, and it actually says this is a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shigeonoth, which the commentators suggest means it was sung uh, as a passionate, triumphant song of praise. But I want to suggest that the prophecy begins with a prayer as well. And if you've got a Bible open or you can turn to chapter 1, you can have a look at, at what I mean. Um, but Habakkuk sits in that little section at the end of the Old Testament that the Jewish uh, people called the Twelve, we often refer to as the minor prophets. Minor, not because they're unimportant, but because they're relatively short compared with the big tomes before them. These men were active over several centuries. Around the time of the divided kingdom, that's after the time of King Solomon when the kingdom has been divided into two and there are the northern tribes, uh, the kingdom of Israel, and the southern tribes, the kingdom of Judah. That's where uh, David and Solomon had their throne. But the northern tribes have broken away. And during this period of centuries, both of these kingdoms have slowly and systematically fallen away from God, much more pronounced in the north and much more immediate and in rebellion to God and disobedience. And God sends men to them, these prophets, who speak out the word of God, bring the challenge of God to them, warning them of impending punishment, warning them that God is going to bring judgment on them. And we get these prophecies of the exile 
that God's going to take them out of the land of promise. Imagine what a horrific thought that was for many of them. And some of the prophets, like Jeremiah, were dismissed uh, by those, the, the false prophets, who said, oh, you, you say all these scary things, God's never going to do that to us. But still the prophets came and warned the people, challenged the people. So you get the great prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah um, in that period. And then later on you get the prophecies of Ezekiel and Daniel who, who speak and write at the time when the people are in exile, when the kingdom of Judah has been taken away by the uh, rulers of Babylon. And that little message of Habakkuk sits somewhere in that time, just after probably the northern kingdoms have gone into exile with the Assyrians, and just before Judah is going to be swept away by the Babylonians. And most of the prophecies that we read, most of those minor prophets, are, are a one-way street themselves. God speaking to the people, God challenging the people, pronouncing woes or judgments on them or on the nations around them. Some of them stand and look at all the nations around and pronounce the judgment of God on them. And the message of God goes out, challenging the people, challenging the nations. In the case of Jonah, it took a little while, didn't it? Because he, he took a slightly fishy detour, if you remember, and got to Nineveh in the end. And we, we read phrases like this, the word of the Lord came to Amos, the shepherd, or the word of the Lord came to Micah, or the word of the Lord sometimes came to the prophet Habakkuk or Zephaniah. Some of them are named as prophets. And they speak of oracles, visions, burdens. And they're often called nabai in the Hebrew, which means they proclaimed the word of God. Or seers, I love that word. They could see things that perhaps others weren't seeing. The ability to observe what was going on in the world and sense God's heart for that situation. I'm sure there are people in this room who have something of that capacity, something of that spiritual gift, the ability to sense and to see what God is doing. But Habakkuk's prophecy is a little bit different to some of the others. It's not just the one-way street. It's not just God doing the speaking. But Habakkuk in chapter 1 begins by complaining to God about what is going on around him. He starts by telling God uh, what he feels. And he dares to lecture God as we unfold the prophecy and begin to look at it about who he is and what he ought to be doing. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever found yourself telling God or reminding God of who he is? Interesting, isn't it, that Scripture gives us some encouragement that maybe sometimes it's okay to do that, to recall the truth about God, to remind ourselves and to remind the Lord in prayer of his ways and his truth and his promises. Do you ever find yourself wanting to pray like that? A little bit of an excuse me, God, but <laughs> feeling, or as it, the prophecy begins in chapter 1, how long, O oh Lord, must I call for help? I remember somebody speaking to me like that in the chapel at the hospital one time, and as she got to the bit when she wanted to say to me, and it's been such a long time, she lowered her voice and whispered to me, it just feels so long, as though God couldn't hear. <laughs> As though the Almighty didn't realize, what, if I whisper to you, God won't hear. I'm not wanting to criticize the Lord, but it seems so long. Don't raise your hands, but any of you feel like that sometimes? It's been so long. You're holding something, you're burdened by a situation, you're troubled by something in your life, in your health, in your family situation. Ali and I have had COVID recently, but there's other stuff been going on in our family life, as you know, and one situation, which I won't elaborate, 
where, as a family, we're crying out to God, longing for God to break through in a situation, a terribly sad, painful situation. And we've seen something of God's goodness and glory in it, but there's still that cry of the heart uh, for some of us. God, can you not break through? Will you not come in this situation and move in glory and bring an answer? And I want to suggest to you that we, if we ever feel like praying that way, if ever that burden is in our hearts of wanting to say to God, I just can't hold on any longer. How long is it going to be? When will you break through for me? If we ever feel like we want to reason with God and debate with God and bring some of those issues before him, I want to suggest that you're in good company. <coughs> Not just Habakkuk. Remember Abraham? When God came, the three men came to the tent of Sarah and Abraham. And God says, can I possibly hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And he begins to reveal to Abraham his judgment on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know that, or many of you will know, that Abraham's nephew Lot is in those cities. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? So God tells Abraham his purpose. And Abraham is horrified. God says what he's going to do. God moves in the situation. And Abraham looks on and says, you can't behave like that. Are you going to sweep away righteous people with the unrighteous? Don't you know there's some good people there? And God, for a moment, keeps silent. And, and Abraham says, if, if there were 50 righteous people in that city, would you still destroy it? Would you take away the righteous with the unrighteous, the good with the bad? And God replies. God begins to discuss it with Abraham. Okay, if there's 50 there, I won't destroy the city. And Abraham kind of senses that he's not really onto a good thing here, so he lowers the game. Well, you, forgive me if I just say one more thing. Is it okay if I just... If there's 45 people there, for the sake of 45, says the Lord, I won't destroy the city. And Abraham keeps the conversation going. And literally, if you look at Genesis 18, what if it's 40? Okay, for the sake of 40. 30? 20? Abraham gives up at 10. Because one of the things that happens when we engage with God in prayer in this way, when we bring our honest, heartfelt cry to God, is that not just God listens, but we start to hear him. He starts to reshape our thinking, doesn't he? He begins to reveal more of himself and his purposes. And Abraham eventually backs off because he senses, as he cry, his cry is, will not the God, the judge of all the earth, do what is right? And he senses the reply coming, of course. God will always do what is right. But Abraham's vision is more limited than that. Moses in Exodus 32, another story when uh, Moses has been an awfully long time up the mountain getting the tablets of stone, the law of God. And while he's away, the people think, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't this God Moses talked about who got us out of Egypt, so we'll, we'll make a God. So they fashion a golden calf and they say, this is the God that got us out of Egypt. There we are, we've got our own gods, we'll, we'll worship the idol. And God sees this happening and says to Moses, can you imagine what they're doing down there? They've made this golden calf. I'm going to go down, just leave me alone. God says to Moses, leave me alone. Can you, can you imagine that kind of conversation? Just back off, Moses, I'm going to go and destroy them. And Moses says, how can you possibly do that? You delivered them out of Egypt by your mighty hand. If you do this now, all of the Egyptians, you're going to lose your reputation in Egypt, God. All of the Egyptians will say, well, so much for that. So much for their God who got them across the Red Sea. How can you possibly do this? And in the end, God relents 
repents of the destruction he was going to bring on his people. He still punishes them, but he holds back from completely destroying them. Moses sees the justice of God, but he has to grow in his understanding of God's ways and God's truth. I mentioned Jonah earlier, and of course you know the story. Dear old Jonah, God says, go to Nineveh and tell them about the judgment I'm going to bring upon them. And Jonah thinks, not a chance. Jumps on the nearest boat, sails away. The boat starts to sink in the storm. The sailors throw him overboard. He's swallowed by the great fish and eventually spewed up on the shore. And he makes his way to Nineveh to do the thing that God had told him to do in the first place. He finally gets there. And it's a huge city. And he walks through the city for days and days, proclaiming that in 40 days, God is going to bring destruction on this city. And all the people repent and God doesn't do it. And Jonah says, I knew that's what would happen. That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you were going to do that. And he says, I know that you're a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Jonah says that. And it's as though the Lord shows him through that little parable of the fig tree, uh, the vine that grows over him, that he is truly compassionate. He is slow to anger. Jonah, he didn't want to bring the word of the Lord because he knew the heart of God and suddenly that's underlined, double underlined by the Lord. Yeah, I am compassionate and gracious. I am slow to anger. You complained because the vine withered. How much more should I care about these thousands of people? And Jonah learns something more about the heart of God who speaks his warning and then brings his forgiveness and his compassion to the people. And I'm so grateful to God for allowing those stories to be in the Bible, and even this little prophecy of Habakkuk, that reminds me that God is not thrown when I struggle. God doesn't get angry when, when I raise my voice and when I express my feeling, when I'm trying to understand his ways. God is patient with us in those times. And some of you right now, like us, are going through situations that are testing you deeply, and you long for a breakthrough. You wish the Lord would answer your prayers. You wonder why it's been so long, don't you? And God understands and gets that. And what's so beautiful about these things being dropped into the scriptures, these beautiful stories of the people who dared to argue with God, is that he encourages us to lift our voice, not in a wrong way, but to say, Lord, I don't understand. Well, that's what Habakkuk's doing. I don't understand, Lord. I thought I knew you. I thought I knew the way you worked. This just doesn't feel right. And as he makes his complaint in chapter 1, he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you make me look at destruction and violence? Why do you make me see all this horrible stuff day after day? Do you feel like that sometimes when you watch the news? Lord, what on earth is going on in our world? How long before you break through in, in Ukraine? How long before this situation turns around? What about this injustice, this poverty, the struggles that people are going through? Do you find yourself crying when you watch the news more than you used to? I do. I get quite emotional watching the news sometimes. I find it hard. Am I alone in that? It's just a hard watch sometimes, isn't it? And we have that little bit of, about us that's like Habakkuk, wickedness and corruption all around seeming to win out, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. It's such a familiar story, isn't it? And Habakkuk is confused. He's angry. He's struggling to understand why God is not doing something. And friends, I feel like that some days, don't you? I feel like that. Why are we not getting the breakthrough? Why are things not changing? 
And do you know what's lovely? God responds. He engages with Habakkuk. He says, okay, let's have this conversation. Let's have the conversation. And he begins to reply. He doesn't rebuke him for his impertinence. He doesn't say, you're not allowed to say this stuff. How dare you question me? He engages with him. He helps him to grow. And there's learning for Habakkuk. And as the prophecy unfolds, he discovers some important truths. I'm going to mention three as I speak to you. The first is my view is limited, but God sees the bigger picture. My view is so limited, but God sees the bigger picture. The second is there may be much wickedness in the world, but God is still on the throne. Amen? God still reigns. He still rules. Things, thirdly, may not want, not, may not always be as I want them to be, but God can still be trusted. So my view is limited. God sees the bigger picture. Things may look terrible all around me, but God still reigns. He is still on his throne. And things may not always be the way I want them to be, but God can still be trusted. He is still my saviour. He is still the one who makes me strong and gives me the ability to rise on the heights, as Habakkuk puts it at the end. So God speaks back to Habakkuk, and effectively in chapter 1, he says, I know how it looks to you, Habakkuk, but I see the bigger picture. I have a plan. There's something I'm going to do, and what a plan it is. Look at the nations and watch, he says. Be utterly amazed, verse 5 of chapter 1. I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe if, even if you were told. He could add up there, add in there, and you wouldn't like it if I did tell you. Because <laughs> he goes on to talk about how he's going to raise up the Babylonian Empire to bring the discipline that God has been prophesying for years upon his people. They will sweep across the earth. They seize dwelling places not their own. They're a feared and dreaded people. And so the story goes on. God's view of events, compared with our limited view, are wider, deeper, more far-seeing. Alison and I were walking on the seafront yesterday with our friend Stuart, and <clears throat> just offshore, off of Lowestoft, is a huge container ship. Have any of you seen it? A really big container ship. It's waiting to get into, where did Stuart say? It's one of the ports in Germany. Hamburg. So it's sitting outside Lowestoft waiting its turn to get into Hamburg. It's got a draft of 15 meters. It's a massive container ship. So we've got a little app on our phones and we can find out what these ships are and where they're going and so on. That's how we know. So I'm looking there and there's another one further out. I'm trying to work out and I'm pressing little things on it, trying to identify the ship. And Stuart's obviously looked at something else on the app and he said, try further out. The visibility is seven miles look further out on your app. Just interesting, isn't it? I was thinking about this morning and it just struck me that sometimes we need that bigger view, don't we? Sometimes our view is so limited, we see what's affecting us immediately, what's right before our eyes, but it's as though the Lord wants to say, just look a little further out. Just look at what, at what I'm doing. Look at the big picture of my purposes, my kingdom work in the world. Get a wider view, get a deeper view, get a broader view, get a longer view. We often just focus on the thing as it affects us, don't we? Um, Fox was saying to this to me earlier when we were chatting outside. We often look at things entirely as they're affecting me, and we get very trapped, don't we, Fox, in, in the way this is affecting my life, what it's doing to me right now. But God is involved in things that, would, he says, you wouldn't believe in me even if I told you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even be able to take it in if I told you what I'm doing in the world. He's calling upon Habakkuk to understand your vision is so limited but I see that bigger picture. 
The disciples struggled with that, didn't they? In the time when Jesus walked on the earth and he was speaking of his suffering and death. Remember Matthew 16? From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples all that would happen to him, the suffering he was going to have to go through at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter, it says, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, says Peter, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. What's extraordinary about that little interchange between Jesus and Peter is just a few verses before, in the same chapter, Jesus has commended Peter for his incredible vision that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's just declared this, and, and the Lord has said to him, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Simon, but my Father who is in heaven. This is a divine revelation. Four verses later, it's get behind me. <laughs> you don't have in mind. Why? Because we see in part. We don't always see the whole picture. Peter's got a bit of it. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it's not possible that you could go to the cross for me. It's not possible that you should suffer and die for me. You're the Christ, aren't you? Surely there's another way. And the Lord says, you do not have in mind the things of God. We see in part, our view is limited, but God sees the bigger picture. That's been my experience so often. How can you apply that to the situations you're facing today? That family struggle that Alison and I are experiencing, my sister is going through, and my parents and others. Painful struggle. How can we apply that? We look at it and we say, we know what we want. We know how we'd like this to work out. But what is God doing in this? What is the bigger picture? What is the wider purpose that I can't yet see? Lord, help me to, to see that. Like the prophet who said of the young man who was terrified of the enemy all around him, the prophet said, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And God gives him a revelation of the armies of heaven surrounding him, the greatness of God and his hosts surrounding them that would bring the victory. But Habakkuk has a bit of a problem here. <laughs> Back to Habakkuk. Because God has said, I'm going to send the Babylonians. And Habakkuk said, that's no answer. They're worse than us. I'm complaining to you about how bad Judah is, how bad our own people are, and you want to send that lot to put us right. They're even worse than us. Don't you know what they're like, Lord? <laughs> you can imagine. It's almost humorous, isn't it, to see how, how Habakkuk engages with God. And further on in that chapter, he says, but you're from everlasting, Lord. You've appointed them to execute judgment. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrong. Why do you then tolerate the treacherous? Why are you doing things this way? Do you ever struggle with the way God works in your life? You're allowed to answer. <laughs> Do you ever struggle with the way God works? Do you ever find you don't understand or don't like the way God works with you? Why he allows you to go through experiences you'd much rather avoid? Allows you to go through pain when you don't want to? Allows you to be wronged by others when you'd far rather they treated you right? Do you ever wonder why God allows those things? But sometimes God uses those circumstances, doesn't he, to teach us, to instruct us, to mature us and grow us in our faith, or even to discipline us. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds. 
Boy, I find that a hard word. <laughs> Pure joy. I'm going through a struggle. I'm supposed to say, well, that's good. I'm go we don't do it easily, do we? But James is seeing the bigger picture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. <laughs> and then the writer to Hebrews says, endure hardship as discipline. Oh, we like that, don't we? Endure hardship as discipline. For what children are not disciplined by their father? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Some of you sitting here have been Christians long enough to have been through that and to know that it's true. You didn't like it at the time. It felt tough when you were going through it. But God has worked something in you, has brought depth to your character, brought maturity to your faith that you would never have achieved had everything just been sweetness and light all the way through. We used to sing an old hymn, didn't we? God has not promised skies ever blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. Remember that old hymn, any of you? He hasn't promised that, but he has promised strength for the day, rest for the weary, light for the way. Beautiful old words. We don't sing stuff like that so much now, but they're wonderful words. He doesn't promise it's always going to be easy. He doesn't promise there'll never be a struggle, never be something in, in our path that will hinder us or cause us difficulty. He does promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. He will never abandon us. He will never turn away from us. Where did we get the idea that when we became a Christian, all of our problems and struggles would disappear? <laughs> Where did we get that idea? But you hear it said, don't you? Sometimes you even hear it sung. And I know there's a song that says, in your presence our problems disappear. Well, they don't really, do they? But we do get a different perspective on them. I think that's what the song probably means. They don't just fade away necessarily. But Habakkuk is horrified by God's plan. Like us, he finds it hard to understand the ways of God. How can a good God use these wicked people to bring judgment on his own people? And he rants at God for a while. And then in chapter 2, when he gets to the end of his rant, I love this, I, I see the humor in it. He says, I'm going to stand on my watch and I'm going to see what God has to say. And I almost feel him going, well, <laughs> what do you say to that then? It's like he's, he's got his knockdown argument. You're way too pure to do this, God. You can't possibly behave this way. Far be it from you. And he stands there and he waits. And I can almost imagine the smile on the face of God as Habakkuk dares to tell God what God is like <laughs> and by implication how he should act. But to be fair, it's not an unusual attitude, really, is it? You ever heard people say, well, God can heal, so why doesn't he? Have <laughs> you ever heard that one? Why am I going through this struggle if God is for me? I thought that's what the Bible said. We come out with these theologies that we've worked out. We've got a limited view even of God. And from our limited view, we say, this is what it says about God, so that's how he should act. Why doesn't he do things the way I expect? And there's a danger, isn't there, that we create God in our own image and then struggle to understand when he doesn't act the way we expect. And we forget the words of the Lord in Isaiah 55 or through the prophet in Isaiah 55 when the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways either, declares the Lord. 
as the heavens, you know it, don't you? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And we're humbled in that moment, aren't we? We come with our view of God. We stand on our watch and say, well, Lord, what have you got to say to that? And the Lord says, my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. But look at the grace and generosity of God as he allows Habakkuk to express these half-formed, limited thoughts. And just believe for a moment that God will be gracious with you when you do the same. When you struggle to understand and you come in that honesty before the Lord. So God in the next chapter tells Habakkuk, and I'm not going to go through it in detail, he says, yeah, I know all about, I know all about the Babylonians. I know what they're like. And he begins to pronounce woes upon that nation, woe upon woe, judgments on the nation. And God is effectively saying to um, Habakkuk, yeah, they're very wicked people and they will get their comeuppance. The time will come when I will judge them. But I like the beginning of it, uh, when the Lord starts to answer Habakkuk. He says to Habakkuk, you better take notes. (laughs) You better take notes, Habakkuk. God knows that delayed promises can lead to doubts and struggle for us. And he urges the prophet to record his words. I want to ask a rhetorical question. Are any of you here holding on to words from the Lord that seem to have taken a while? The Lord says it will not linger, it will not delay, but it has an appointed time. We know that's how God works, don't we? We know what it says in Galatians, that that God at just the right time sent his son into the world. God always does things at just the right time. Unfortunately, it's not always my time. (laughs) Not always quite as I would wish it could be. So the Lord says to Habakkuk, write this down. Write the revelation down. Get people to run with this revelation. Because although it may take time to be fulfilled, it will not delay. It will come at just the right time. My purposes will be worked out. But he urges him to write it down. And I guess there are people here who are holding on to words and encouragements that you really believe God has given you, and yet you long to see them fulfilled. It's not easy, is it? Not easy to hold on to those things. So God pronounces these oracles of judgment against uh, the Babylonians, and he ends by reminding Habakkuk about the God he truly worships. God is not some cheap tin pot idol, gold-plated wood, but he is the God of heaven. Chapter 2, verses 18 to 20, the Lord says, Of what value is an idol since a man carved it, or an image that teaches lies? He who makes it trust in his own creation. That's the risk, isn't it? That's what God's trying to get through to Habakkuk. These people make it themselves and then try and put their trust in it. Don't make me in your own image. Know me for who I truly am. Woe to him, he says, who says to wood come to life, or to lifeless stone wake up. It cannot give guidance. It's covered with gold and silver, but there's no breath in it. There's no life, says the Lord. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth keep silent before him. That's the second point, isn't it? Things may not always go the way I want them to go. They may not always be the way I want them to be, but God is still on his throne. So Habakkuk can't believe that God will work this way. It just seems beyond his imagining. And God says... I'm going to put all that right in time, but in the meantime, you need to know that I reign, that I rule, I'm not overcome. And Habakkuk is beginning, slowly, to grasp the purposes of God. 
just apply that to your own situation for a moment. Those things you're holding on to, those things where you would love God to break through. Those circumstances you would love to see changed. And the word of the Lord comes to you, have faith, hold on. We're caught in the here and the now. Our vision is limited, but God sees and speaks. He says to, to um, Habakkuk, these things speak of the end and they will have their fulfillment. However things may look to us, the Lord still reigns. I see the here and now, but God sees the end. He says, these things speak of the end. I can see way beyond what you can see, Habakkuk. I can see this story unfolding way into the distance. I'm working out my purposes. Stand firm and hold on. And so we come to the chapter that uh, Ray read to us. Because that powerful encouragement causes faith to rise up in Habakkuk. And he begins to pray, and it's actually a prayer set to music. That's what the scholars believe. It's only, the word is only used a couple of times in the whole of the Bible. It's a song of praise. Some of them say it's a passionate, triumphant song of praise. And his eyes have been opened more fully, like Abraham, like Moses, like Jonah, to understand the heart and mind of the Lord, and Habakkuk's faith rises. So the song that Ray read to us, it, all those strange words, those, those names, those places that were mentioned, what Habakkuk is doing is looking back to God's awesome acts of deliverance. He's going right back to the deliverance from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea. That's all that stuff about the horses and the waves and the chariots. He's looking back to God's deliverance from the enemies. He mentioned some of the tribes that rose up against the people of God. And he sees how God went before them and destroyed their enemies in their path and brought them into the land of promise. And he's reminded that God is a God of glory, a God of deliverance who fights for his children. And he takes courage from that. He's in awe of God again. And as he looks to the future, he takes courage. Those words are incredible, aren't they? I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Yet I will wait patiently, he says. For the day of calamity to come to the nation invading us in other words he's saying god has told him how the end will be and he says i'll wait for it i'll be patient now and wait for the purposes of god to be revealed in this situation verse 16 onwards in chapter 3 it's what i call the even if faith he, when he says if there's no fruit on the vine no crops in the field no sheep in the pen even if Habakkuk says, yet will I rejoice in God, my Savior. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer and enables me to go on the heights. It reminds me of those three young men in the fiery furnace. You remember that story? Nebuchadnezzar has said, when the music plays, the music of the zither, you've got to bow down to the statue I've made. And the three boys go, mm -mm, that's not going to happen. And they end up thrown into that furnace. And the jailers throw them in and they go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, there's a really weird thing going on. We've looked into the furnace where we threw the men and they're walking about in there. They're strolling around and there seems to be somebody else with them. <laughs> somebody else in the midst of the fire. Isn't that an encouragement? In the midst of the struggle, someone else has joined them. And Nebuchadnezzar goes and speaks to the men and uh, they're delivered from that fire. But the beautiful thing, the even if faith, comes earlier when they say to Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able to deliver us from the fire. This is, this is where real faith stands. Our God is able to deliver us. If you throw us into that furnace, God is able to do it. We know, he, we know he's big enough. We know he's strong enough. We know he can do it. But even if he does not, 
we're still not going to bow down to your statue or worship you because we worship the living God. It's that even if faith, isn't it? That ability to stand in the circumstance we're in and say we know God is powerful enough to deliver. We know that he can break through for us. We know we've seen it before. That's what Habakkuk's doing, isn't it? We've seen it before, Lord. But even if, even if I've got to go through this pain, this struggle, you are still worthy of praise. You are still God on, on his throne. I may not get all of your purposes. I may not see all that you're doing, but I will continue to trust you. You are still my saviour and my God. I wonder if those young men remembered the prophecy of Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The, the flames will not set you ablaze. They hold on to the faith they have in God. It's a kind of faith that we see in the words of Jesus when he reassured his disciples that even though he'd be taken from them for a little while, he would come back to them. They would see him again. And in the meantime, they would have the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them. And a father who would hear and answer their prayers. And he ends by saying, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. We don't like hearing that, do we? Jesus said it. In this world, you will have trouble. Say it with me, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. Sorry, friends, I haven't got a happier word to say than that this morning, except this. But take heart, he has overcome the world. We worship a living Savior. We worship a God who loves us, who cares for us who sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts so that we can know his guidance and his leading. He gives us access to the Father who hears and answers our prayers and invites us to engage with him. Don't be afraid to debate with the Lord, to talk things over with him, to let your prayers go both ways because God will use that to open your mind and your understanding. And he will help you to understand that he will never leave you or forsake you. So Habakkuk begins by pouring out his complaint to God, challenging God to live up to his expectations, but he ends up rejoicing in the Lord with the vision that God is his saviour, his strength, who enables him to overcome. Is that a faith you share today? I'm just wondering whether maybe there's one or two here this morning who don't live in the confidence and the assurance of that faith that Jesus is their saviour, that although the world looks tough and challenging and difficult, their lives may be facing struggles, there's one who loves them enough to have come into the world to give his life that we might be saved and forgiven and have access to God. If that's you this morning, don't leave here without chatting to somebody and asking them to pray with you and help you to come into that place of faith and assurance. This is the thought, isn't it? As Habakkuk prays, God's work in the past gives him hope for the future as he lives by faith in the present. Can I repeat that? God's work in the past gives him hope for the future as he lives by faith in the present. Isn't that how we should be living? If we've tasted and seen the grace and the mercy of God, the saving power of God in our lives, if we've known time after time his goodness and his provision for us, we live with hope for the future as we live by faith in the present. Don't be afraid to engage with God. He will gently guide you and teach you, bring you to a deeper faith and a greater assurance that he who has called you into fellowship with his son 
is faithful. Shall we pray together? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. <clears throat> and as I pray, I just want to encourage you to bring before the Lord, if it's true for you, any of those issues and struggles in your life where you long to sense his answer, where you need a greater vision, where you need to be helped to see a little further, to capture something of God's purposes and God's heart, where you're in, in doubt, where there's a how long cry in your heart. Just bring those things to the Lord as we pray. Loving God, we thank you for the courage of this man, Habakkuk, who dared to debate with you and reason with you. Thank you, Lord, that elsewhere in your word you tell us we can reason with you. You invite us to do it. We thank you for this example of a man who wanted to go deeper, wanted to understand your ways more strongly. And we confess, Lord, that there are things going on in our world, in our circumstances, in our own lives, where we wonder what's happening and we wish things could be different, where we long for a breakthrough, we long for a change, and we struggle to know, Lord, why that change doesn't come. So we ask you today, as our Saviour, the one who has walked with some of us for so many years, Lord, give us patience with your ways, help us to understand more clearly what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Help us to hold on in faith for the future because of what we've seen you do in the past. Lord, our understanding is so limited, our vision is so small, but you are the God who sees everything. Lord, you, you have that, that greater view. Lord, sometimes we wish we didn't have to go through what we're facing and what we're enduring, but we thank you for the encouragement that you still reign, you still rule, you are still on the throne. And Lord, as we capture those truths, we just ask you to give us grace to go on, strength for the day, Rest when we need it. Patience, the encouragement of your word, and Lord, the fellowship of your people around us. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to bless us and keep us in your precious name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> She's back to the oh. platform. <laughs> It's a good job it's not Christmas because at Christmas they sing a song that has the words in it to clear the mental ray. And I think, you know, that's perhaps more to the truth. As I um, walked to church this morning and uh, a song came into my mind. We're not singing it, um, but it came into my mind and I started our prayer this morning before band practice and the song is a song of assurance and in these troubled times we need it and uh, the song that came to my mind i'm not going to sing it either was every morning it's new the love of god to me is wonderfully new what a great assurance that every morning when you wake up, God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done, that's forgiven. But God just pours his love out on us every morning. When life gets tough, as Danny spoke, the assurance is 
God will always love you. Let's stand and sing our last song.
spoken to you if you're struggling and you need prayer please just go and uh, sit quietly over there and someone will come and minister to you may this day bring sabbath rest to our hearts and to our homes may god's image in us be restored and our imagination in god be restored May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May we know grace to embrace our own infinite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed us and his spirit lead us into the week and into the life to come. Amen. <laughs>